Today's question, what is Reformed theology? Some of the questions that many people ask me is, what does it mean to be Reformed Baptist? Should I go to a Reformed church? Can I be a Calvinist and still be Reformed? Is Calvinism Reformed theology? Should I even be Reformed? Stay tuned, you'll find out today. again i'm still debating on what podcast name i like um i have three options i can continue being why theology i can be what the christianity and another brother in christ he gave me the name um what the truth so all of these are pretty cool names so i have no idea at the moment but my name is kj real name is khalil jones <laughs> but i go by kj Nickname because uh, growing up people have butchered my first name a lot, so just to eliminate that KJ makes it real easy. So, just a little bit by myself, I have been saved for about three years now. It was actually three years last month, and um, I had struggled bad with depression growing up, and uh, I tried to take my life four times. And actually, on my fourth attempt, I had a really bad drug overdose, and so uh, it was forcefully I attempted to take my life. Like I said, um, and so I think the the OD was so bad, like, you know, I was falling out the mouth, seizuring and everything, and uh, they rushed me to the hospital when I came to. Um, the doctor said that he would put me in rehab or meet me in the hospital because it was time, and that's my fourth attempt. And so while I was in rehab, my roommate, his uh, name was David, and it's crazy how God works, but he just happened to be evangelist. It's crazy that evangelists happen to be in rehab why I was doubting the faith at the time because I grew up in church all my life, but it was more of a prosperity church preaching the prosperity gospel, that God will bless you and God will do this for you, not preaching about sin or hell or repentance, but about the blessings of God. And so when I got older and I started living, you know, being able to live life how I want to with no parental, parental authority, I noticed that that the guy they were preaching wasn't a guy of real life because when real life hit me, that's when a lot of my depression hit. And so I actually turned away from the faith, even though I never really truly believed in it to begin with because they're preaching a prosperity gospel. So I became agnostic and I stopped believing in God because I was like, how can God be real if I'm struggling with my depression is bad? How can God be real if he allows so much evil and just corruption to happen in the world, right? How can I really be a God? Why should I believe in this, right? I was raised on this, but where is this God that they preach? Where is it? Cause I don't see it in my life. And so that was the mindset I had. So while I was in rehab, my roommate, David, he was just telling me different Bible stories in the Bible and just how um, God was working his life and how how sin, it, uh, it can keep a hold of you. And so I would just listen to him and stuff like that. And I keep in mind, I was agnostic. At this time period, I was indulging in um, adultery, committing um, sexual sin or immorality every day almost. 
um, addicted to pornography. I was addicted to marijuana. I was drinking before um, before my four twenty one. Uh, it was just a terrible life I was living at the time, and so when I think the day before I got a rehab, my roommate David. Uh, from talking to me like the week that I was in rehab, he was saying that God wanted wanted me to know that he feels like that I could be a pastor or a preacher. And so I thought he was crazy because, like I said, I was agnostic. I, I really didn't believe in God anymore at the time. I was struggling with depression. I wanted to be dead because I was like, whatever is on the other side would definitely be far more better than the hell, quote unquote, that I was living on earth. But I really didn't know what hell really was. But... Now, um, I thought he was crazy. I thought he was talking about another KJ because in that moment, there's no way in the world that I could have been a preacher. But as I started thinking more about it, I was like, maybe I can be a preacher because who else can survive four suicide attempts and still be alive? And then two real bad overdoses. And um, I was like, maybe I can encourage people. And so they, the guy, the evangelist David, he never shut the gospel for me. But he kept on pointing me to the scriptures in the Bible. And so um, when I got out of rehab, I tried to read the Bible. From, this is the first time I actually read the Bible outside of church. And so it, it didn't make sense all the way, but I was un, I was able to understand it a little bit. But I wasn't saved yet. And so I started to write my own sermons, quote unquote, <laughs> or what I thought sermons were. And I'm glad... The sermons that my phone's written in, I'm glad that phone's gone, so <laughs> I can't look at those sermons no more. But um, when I got to rehab, I had a youth pastor that I went to the church, basically the youth pastor of my church. I thought he was a pretty cool guy. And I got, reached out to him, and um, he mentioned that I should go talk to this guy on my campus. And so um, currently right now, I'm a senior at University of Arkansas at Palm Bluff. And so on campus, we have something called the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. And um, there's a campus pastor. It's all over Arkansas, not just Arkansas, but different states of the United States. We have different Baptist collegiate ministries. And so this one day, uh, the youth minister, he recommended I go speak to him. And so as I went to go speak to him, you know, he asked me a crazy question. He said, if I die tonight and stood before God, what would I say? And so from that moment, my entire life was changed because he shared the gospel with me. And so that's a little bit by myself. I'm recently married, been married for about a year, uh, me and my wife, been together, I think two or three years now, two years maybe, we've been married for a year, I think we were engaged for a year, so two years, hopefully she'll listen to this podcast, like I'm probably going to be sleeping on the couch tonight, but <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit about myself, uh, like I said already, I attend a Reformed Baptist church, and I love Reformed theology, I love, I love theology, but it's the theology that I grow and a deeper understanding of who God is. And so that's why I love theology so much, because it shows me who God is. And so today, the discussion is, what is Reformed theology? And so, like I said, uh, I mentioned, I think on the last podcast, I mentioned the, the whole purpose of this podcast is to deal with like various different discussions and topics that many Christians face into the world today. And one of those just happens to be Reformed theology many Christians and um, wonder what is a theology. And so there's also like a common misconception when, when dealing with a theology. Many people think just by being a Calvinist, that is believing 
in the doctrines of grace, you reform. But that's actually not the case. And today, we're going to talk about this. So, what is Reformed theology? So, the simplest way I can break it down, and there'll be more many episodes. I'll explain that at the end, but there'll be many episodes. And this will actually be like a brief introduction episode. And so, stay tuned for the rest of them. So, to explain Reformed theology, I like to do it with three C's and five S's. Three C's and five S's. The three C's are Calvinism, Covenant Theology, and Confessional. The five S's are the five solos of the Protestant Reformation. So, Calvinism, as you know, something known as TULIP. I like to just call it TULIP the gospel because TULIP is a gospel. It's just a nickname for the gospel, but it's explaining the doctrines of grace. And so, not everybody who's a Calvinist is reformed because to be reformed, you have to hold to those four primary things. Now, there's more in-depth, of course, that we can talk about in Reformed theology, but the central four primary um, things you must hold to to be Reformed are, once again, covenant theology, confessional, you must be a Calvinist, and you must hold to the five solos of the Protestant Reformation. So again, Calvinism, otherwise known as TULIP, we'll discuss that in the next episode. Um, covenant theology, we will also talk more in depth about this, but just a brief summary. There's a term that we use in the theology world known as biblical theology. And it's basically a way to interpret the Bible, um, a summary of the Bible. Um, so there's three three ways to interpret the Bible. Uh, there is something, the easiest way to me, it's also primarily the reform view, which is called covenant theology. Then you have something called new covenant theology. And then the most modern view is what is known as dispensationalism. And so covenant theology, if you look at your Bible, your Bible is split into two sections. You have the Old Testament and you have the New Testament. So the word testament, actually in Latin, is otherwise known as covenant. So we have the Old Covenant and we have the New Covenant. The Old Covenant is a covenant considered of a covenant of works. The New Covenant, of course, is the covenant of grace. But we also have something known as a covenant of redemption. So the covenant of works, it's like, you know, Basically, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey me, you'll be, you know, curses. But the covenant of grace, no longer is it based on works, but now it's based on Christ's works. And so Christ, he extends to everyone inside this covenant of grace, the unconditional favor of God. Not, no longer needing works to be in favor of God, but now you need Christ's works. And so Christ extends his grace to all who repent and put their faith in him, whom the Father has predestined to be saved. And so Christ, he fulfilled the covenant of works inside the covenant of grace. And he also accomplished the third covenant, which is known as a covenant of redemption. And so I probably should say that the covenant, the definition of covenant is like agreement between two parties. So the covenant of works was agreement between God and man. And look, look throughout the Bible, it's always a covenant between God and man. And so the covenant of works um, between God, you know, it's between man and, man and God. Of course, Adam was under this covenant as well. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But the covenant of redemption is basically God establishing within himself the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that God will redeem a people for himself. And so Christ, he actually fulfilled the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, and he accomplished the covenant of redemption because he did, in fact, redeem a people for himself. So we have Calvinism, 
covenant theology, and then the last thing is called confessional. So to be reformed, this is the essential too. You have to be confessional. So many people, they think, again, just by being or holding to the doctrines of grace, otherwise on as tulip, that makes you reformed, but that's not the case. To be reformed, you must hold to all four of these things, but this one right here is the biggest. You must be confessional. So when I say confessional, I simply mean you must either hold to the Westminster Confession of Faith or the London's Bathroom Confession of Faith. That's what seems to be more modernized today. Of course, we have the catechism and such on, such on. But I just want to focus on either the Westminster Confession of Faith or the, the London Baptist Confession of Faith. And we'll discuss that in another episode. But the confession is based like a, a church statement or a doctrine. kind of It deals with the essentials, doctrines of the Bible. You have baptism. You have the final judgment. You have the Holy Scriptures. You have uh, God, God's ordinances. You have church. Everything that's essential to a Christian is all in the confession. And it's a summary of that, in fact. Charles Spurgeon, he has a definition of what the confession is as well. Let me read that to you guys. Charles Spurgeon, he says, Dearly beloved, this ancient document is a most excellent epitome of the things most truly believe among us. By the preserving hand of the triune God, we have been kept faithful to the great points of this glorious gospel, and we feel more resolved to abide by them. This little volume is not issued as an authority rule or a code of faith whereby you are to be lettered, but as an assistant to you in controversy, a confirmation of faith, and a means of edification of righteousness. So it's kind of a summary of why we need the confession or what is the purpose of the confession. And so to be performed, you must be confession. And typically reformers in today's society, the Christian world, they're either affirming the, the Baptist confession of faith or the Westminster Confession of Faith. And lastly, to be performed, you must hold to the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. So if you don't know anything about the Protestant Reformation, 500 years ago, in about 1500s, um, there's just a particular man named Martin Luther. And during this time, the Catholic Church, they were driven in heresy. So they were deforming away from the Bible. And Luther, his goal was to reform us back to the Bible to point us back to the Bible. And so the Catholic Church, they were coming up with this heretical thing such as it's grace plus works or it's faith plus works to be saved or it's Christ, but you need works as well to be saved. And most importantly, they were saying that not only is it scripture alone that governs and has authority over the Christian life, but also the Pope has authority over the Christian life and tradition. And that's terrible, right? Because none of that's biblical. And so what Luther, what Luther came up with is he came up with the five solas. And the solas basically mean alone. So five solas, you have Christ alone, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, and to God with your glory alone or God's glory alone. And so all four of these things make up what is known as Reformed Theology. And we'll discuss those in a later episode. Stay tuned.